CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody, welcome into this week's edition of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Your Money and Your Life with Don and myself as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. What's going on, my friend? How was your uh, holiday? It's been about two weeks. And Mark, good. You know, we just uh, we enjoyed time together with the family and cool. kind of chill. A lot of people were lighting off fireworks now oh, because there's no fireworks displays yes. any longer. So everywhere. It's like, oh, my dog is barking like nuts, and I mean, it's, they're going on and on for hours and hours. They're lighting them off in the street. And now I was mentioning to a friend of mine the first time I noticed this over the past I don't know couple of weeks. Uh-huh. There's these pop up tents in gas stations selling fireworks. Oh, that's a normal occurrence down here. Yeah, all the time. (laughs) I never saw that in New Jersey. Okay, all right. You know, it is funny, though, when you think about it, because they didn't want to do all these fireworks gatherings for people to get out together and possibly spread the virus, but so many people were just doing stuff at home and having little parties. In a way, it might have been about the same numbers (laughs) and probably less controlled, right? More people probably burned their fingers than, uh, or, you know, hopefully no one lost a finger, but... That kind of thing, right? At the very least, I mean, I'm worried about that. People, you know, lighting off these powerful fireworks <laughs> in the streets yeah. and they're holding it in their hand and throwing it. It's, I know, it's uh, just crazy. We did this as kids and I remember, you know, a few injuries and and there was actually a Giants football player that lost a couple of his He did, yeah, remember I remember that. that. Yep, I do, a few, I do. A few years ago down in Florida. Yep, interesting so, stuff. Uh, how about your July? What's on the rest of the docket for the remainder of July or August? Anything coming up? Well, just... um enjoying the weather here yeah. and now the beach the temperature in the water is getting warmer and the beach is uh the place to go mm-hmm. we're pretty close to the beach not too oh, far okay. maybe right. 25 minutes so we have the pool here and the beach and uh, that's pretty much on the agenda and trying to enjoy the good weather and yep. i know we look back uh, we look at these days and it's in January and February and say, oh, I can't wait till it's summertime. Right. The weather's right. nice. Right. And I am convincing myself or imploring myself, don't complain about the heat because it, you, we can look back in all those days in the winter time when it was cold and the sun sets at 430 yeah. and it's kind of dank and depressing. So just enjoying the weather and enjoying the uh, the time with the family. There you go. Yeah, I bought a pool table. So that's going to be how that was going to that was our summer gift to ourselves so we're just going to hang around the house staycation if you will and shoot some pool and get in the pool so that's that's our plans all right well let's jump into our main topic this week here on the show don we've got some interesting things to talk about so let's dive in so we can get on with this and share some information with folks Uh, a lot of changes to the ira rules virus tax changes things have happened a lot of people are rethinking their planning and looking more closely at the issue of what happens after the loss of a spouse When one spouse dies, what are some immediate changes that the remaining spouse is left to deal with? And what should people be doing now to plan for that? What's going to be an eventual time in everyone's life? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's something that people certainly would rather not think about, but often it creates big problems for the surviving spouse. But, you know, times like these make you, you know, think more soberly. And, you know, people are certainly looking at, updating their estate plans or and looking realistically at you know what what happens if something tragic like that does occur Mm -hmm. right and we have to you know plan for the survival of the spouse what happens to the family so you know some of the issues to address really include a reduced income from social security right and pension there's only one social security check and 
sometimes there is a loss of a part or all of the pension and higher tax rates. That's sort of a stealth tax, if you will, because single filers rather than married filers pay a higher rate. This is something that people often don't take into consideration. A single person with $100,000 of income pays almost double the tax rate right. of a married person. So that has to be looked at. Wills need to be executed and changed and investment accounts need to be retitled and beneficiary forms need to be updated and changed. And one big issue is often, Mark, that the surviving spouse sometimes is looking at financial issues for the first time. If the spouse that passed away was the one that really handles the money exclusively. So the key is good communication between the spouses and the advisor, as well as setting things up properly ahead of time. No, that's very true. You know, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, especially in a relationship. And often there can be one person who kind of handles that aspect. Talk about some situations where you know one person took care of all of that, the money side of things, and it did cause a problem. Kind of share share with us a little bit. You know, I do see that, I would say frequently, but you know, quite often. Okay. I, I get the the situation that one spouse it's more common, I should say, that one spouse has a greater interest in finances and money in general, right? One person is more right brain dominant and creative, and the other one is more left brain dominant and pragmatic. So that's okay, but the problem occurs when one spouse is left in the dark. And when we meet with clients and prospective clients up front, it's almost always with both spouses present, especially with existing clients. So they know that's kind of the rule. After we create a plan together, we organize the finances and place the important information in a financial planning portfolio binder and an estate planning portfolio binder. So something very tangible that keeps things organized and on track. And if something happens suddenly, like I said, everything's in order. Right. And not long ago, we had a situation where a newer client had an accident while biking. He fell off his bike, injured himself, actually pretty severely, oh, wow. shoulder and leg, had to rush to the hospital with his wife. And his wife knew exactly where the power of attorney forms were and the healthcare directives were since everything with them was organized ahead of time. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely can see where that would come into play. The last thing you need to be worried about, obviously, is scrambling around looking for legal documents and things of that nature. So what else can people do, Don, ahead of time from a planning perspective to you know get in front of this? Well, you know, be sure to know how income and taxes change at the death of one spouse. And the tools that we use are things like the social security analysis and Monte Carlo software, beneficiary checklists that we look at to make sure we know how the money flows to the spouse and the next generation and legal document review. And just be sure you know there's a, also a survivorship benefit with a pension. You'd be surprised how many people don't know that if something happens to them, how much the spouse would get. Is mm -hmm. it 100%, 75%, 50%, zero? Who's the beneficiary of your IRA or your 401k? I mean, you'd be surprised, Mark, at people who never update or check their beneficiary forms. There's a story I tell 
to people about a teacher in New York, mm -hmm. New York City, that started teaching when she was younger, wasn't married, listed her siblings and her mom as her beneficiary okay. of her retirement account. And many years later, she passed away fairly young, I think mm -hmm. in her 60s. Her sibling had passed away. Her mom passed away. She had one sibling that was left. And she was married, the woman that had the account. Mm -hmm. She married after she started her job when she was, I guess, in her 30s or 40s. Or she started working in her 20s. The long story short is the husband was disinherited. The retirement account was left to the sister, hmm, yeah, not the husband, because she never checked the beneficiary form on her retirement plan. So, you know, this is something that's got to be looked at and, you know, one false move and it just messes things up big time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Many stories out there like that, you know, with ex-spouses and things of that nature. So how do the tax changes though, Don, what kind of tax changes do we expect to see when we do lose a spouse? Well, you know, broadly speaking, Mark, there's two tax tables, right? We have right. Married, filing jointly and single. Okay. I'm not going to speak about the others like head of household or married filing separate. You don't, you don't see that too often. But the marginal tax rate for a married couple, I mentioned before with an example of $100,000 of adjusted gross income, is about half that of a single person. So think about that. The marginal tax rate for a married couple with that adjusted gross income, it's half of a single person, 12% versus 22%. Right. You know, this is also due to the fact that the rate structure and a standard deduction difference, right? For a married couple has two standard deductions and a single person only has one. So one of the best moves to make now is considering a partial Roth conversion. So Roth IRA conversion. I know I sound like a broken record. We talk about this a lot. <laughs> but simply moving the funds from a taxable traditional IRA to a tax-free Roth IRA Paying the taxes now, well, the, at the married lower rates, it just makes a lot of sense typically. And don't forget, we've spoken about this before, the current tax code expires right. after the year 2025. It's not like they have to pass a law in 2025. It just is the law. Right. It reverts it back, back. Right. It reverts back mm -hmm. to the old law. So we have some time. Yeah. No, good stuff as always here on the podcast. So yeah, sometimes we bring some of these things back up, but it's important and right, uh, Roth conversions, the taxes right now, that's been on people's mind a while. So it's definitely good stuff to share with our listeners. As And as always, folks, if you do have questions or concerns before you take any action, you should always check with a qualified professional, no matter what you hear from our show or any others, always check with your professional on how it's going to affect your situation. If you need some help, Don's available for you at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. He is a CPA and a CFP, so reach out to him if you need some help. You can also subscribe to our show at donaldcash.com. That is donaldcash.com. There's a lot of good tools, tips, and resources on the website, as well as ways to subscribe to us on Apple or Google or Spotify. So, And while you're there, feel free to send us an email if you'd like as well, and we will do that right now. We'll jump into the Cash Connection and take an email question this week for you, Don. It's uh, Mick in Freehold, and he says, Don, with so much market uncertainty recently, is this a good time to look at buying bonds? Ah, Mark and Mick. This is a great question. <laughs> Mark and Mick. <laughs> you know, people consider bonds to be risk-free. Mm -hmm. 
while in reality, they are really far from it. There's a lot of misperception and confusion surrounding bonds. So, you know, we know there's stock market risk, right, obviously, mm-hmm. but there's also bond risk and bond market risk. So fundamentally, when you own a stock, you own a very small piece of a company. And when you own a bond, you're lending money to a business or a government and expecting to be repaid with interest. So a stockholder is an owner. A bondholder is a lender. Same with someone who buys a CD. You're a lender. You're lending money. Right. And you expect to be repaid. So a stockholder takes more risk, so there's a possibility for more return. A bondholder is a lender that takes less risk because it's collateral and there are assets behind it. But there's still risk, in the, but the return is often far less. Okay, So the main types of bond risk are interest rate risk, credit quality risk, inflation risk and liquidity risk and you know we all know that there's a trade-off between risk and reward as i mentioned and the same risk exists in bonds so fundamentally there are government bonds like treasury bills and notes that are considered to be quote-unquote risk-free since the federal government can easily print money but the return is low because the risk is low right Low risk, low return. Higher risk, higher return. Now, question, do you know what the return is for a 10-year U.S. government bond right now? It's pretty pretty darn low. It's less than one, isn't it? Less than 1%. Mm -hmm. You are right. Now, think about that. That's crazy. People are willing to lend money to the government for less than 1% for 10 years. It's one of the reasons why our, our... Mortgage rates are so low, right? Because it's tied to that 10-year government bond. They call it treasury note. So a corporate bond has more risk because the corporation can't print money. And there's a, a risk of them defaulting, going bankrupt. So there's a vast variety of credit quality with corporations. The lowest quality are called high yield or so-called junk bonds. Right. So same idea, right? High yield, high risk. Lower quality gives you a higher return since you may not get repaid in full if the company fails. And the liquidity risk simply means that you might not find a buyer for your bond. Now, the bond market is pretty vast and liquid, but once in a while, if you get something esoteric or a good example is a real estate investment trust, that kind of an instrument where it might not be liquid because the underlying holdings can't be sold so easily to get the money back. So, you know, the bond concept traditionally has been the the idea of safety, right? And And it's true. I mean, it's the ballast of a portfolio, but the ballast of the portfolio, if you have stocks and bonds, should be typically for if you're looking at safety right mm-hmm. a stable ballast is a shorter term higher quality bonds as opposed to high yield bonds because then you have a lot more fluctuations 
a lot more ups and downs if someone has a high yield bond. So just think of it that way. On the a spectrum of risk and return, high yield equals high risk, lower yield equals lower risk. Right. So to answer Mick's question, if the interest rates go up, the value of the bonds could drop steeply depending upon the type of bond. So it gets back to the same point I talk about with every client. Know your risk tolerance, your time horizon and goals, and what your purpose is in the first place for even mm. considering buying the bond yeah. and then make an informed decision. Yeah, fantastic. Really good information here on the show. Thanks, Mick. We certainly appreciate that question. And if you, you need to talk further with Don, and, and you certainly should, reach out to him, give him a call, set up some time to chat. You can do so at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. Don't forget to go to the website, folks. If you're listening to the podcast and you've not yet subscribed to the show, you can find it at donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. It's an easy way to get access to whatever platform you choose. You can subscribe right from there, or you could just search out the title of the show in whatever podcasting platform you like. We at Apple or Google or whatever. Just type in your money and your life. Don, my friend, thanks so much for your time this week. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you have a great middle of the month, and I'll talk to you pretty soon. You too, Mark. Enjoy your new podcast pool table and your brand new deck. That's right. Well, hopefully (laughs) it'll get there eventually. Folks, take care. Stay safe. Stay sane. And we'll see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. And again, go to DonaldCash.com for more information. We'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.